Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Milton Bradley, Karate Fighters, presents the 1995 WWF Survivor Series. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a Beavis freak. And I am a heavenly body Donna. Welcome to episode 172, Survivor Series 1995. Teams of Federation superstars battle it out. Who's fit to survive? Who is? I, mean, I can survive. I mean, probably the body Donnas. They're pretty fit. They're pretty fit. I mean, one, one of them's not super fit. They make jokes about it. One of them's not super fit. One of them's, you know... Sunny. Decent. And the other one's sunny. <laughs> sunny, super fit. <laughs> uh, this is a uh, worst tagline, maybe ever. Oh, I'm For sure now. They'll, they'll get worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Federation Superstars is just like so dumb and long and bad. Yep. No hook. Where's the hook? Well, I mean, I guess it's better than what they could be now of teams of universal superstars. Oh, uh, or... yeah. Teams of sports entertainers. There you go. Teams of. Superstars is enough. Mm-hmm. That That is enough, yes. This is the ninth annual Survivor Series produced by the WWF. It would take place on November 19th, 1995 at the U.S. Air Arena in Landover, Maryland with an attendance of 14,500. This was also the first Survivor Series to ever take place on a Sunday night. Oh. Wow. Because they got to, are they getting away from the close, like Thanksgiving Eve or whatever? Yep. Yeah. So it's been on some on Thanksgiving night, I believe, right? That's how it started. Right? Yeah. yeah, it was on Thanksgiving night for a Thanksgiving while. Thanksgiving tradition. I mean, hey, I'd take that over the football games. Mm-hmm. That's Same. Me personally. I mean, that's me. Yeah, that's me personally. And it's not how most people feel. Macy's Parade. You've seen them on all. TV, anyways. I've never seen one in person, so I'd, I'd definitely check it out. But <laughs> hopefully, there'll be a. An underdog that gets away, or oh something. yeah, oh, underdog's a good one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a friend's bean. So. <laughs> but we're in Landover, Maryland. We are. So what did Shane bring us this week? Well, we're back in Maryland. It is the uh, Thanksgiving time tradition, and you know Thanksgiving and pilgrims and whatnot. They all kind of found their way to Maryland. So I figured. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find a way to dig you out, but I was like, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're in Maryland, and I want to say I brought crab cakes from there before. We've done an orange crush. We've done some other stuff, I think. Those are the two that pop into my mind. But with it being a Thanksgiving weekend, I figured I'd bring a couple things because it's it's a feast at Thanksgiving times. You got lots of leftovers. Maryland is famous for all of their crab stuff, so I brought a couple different crab varieties. You brought a team. A team, yes. Mm. Of items. Which one will survive? Went to our friends here in Oklahoma City at Pearl's. They are part of the uh, the Pearl's restaurant group with, what are the other ones in there again? Trappers and Crabtown. Crabtown. Um, yes. We got some, an ultimate crab cake. This is... It's actually a pretty monstrous crab cake. It's like a, well, it looks like an eight ounce burger patty just made of crab. Mostly crab with a little bit of uh, 
breadcrumbs, broiled. There's a, a remoulade. It kind of looks like stuffing. It did, actually, now that you mention it. It was very stuffing-esque in texture as well. Mm-hmm. And then we've got some uh, hot crab dip, which is more crab with some cream cheese and other spices and seasonings with some tortilla chips. I'm not as big on these as I thought I was going to be, and it could just be because it's 127 degrees outside and I'm eating that's hot tr- cheese dip. That's true. It's not the it's not the greatest kind of cake we've had. Mm-mm. Or, I mean, I've had it. Dear Red Prime, I miss you already. I shouldn't say it like that because it, it yeah. sounds like you're not here. I'm anymore, pretty sure that uh, a, I miss a, you crab cake compared to this one because. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, yeah. Well, a land, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. A Mar- Did I not get a memo? Yeah, a Maryland. <laughs> uh, I should have gone to the Drake. A Maryland native. Brought a Drake cake. Would um, be uh, pretty irate with this crab cake. I would agree. And I don't know, maybe it's because Pearl's is more of a New Orleans inspired restaurant, but. I looked up the uh, the list of foods that are popular in Maryland, as I typically do when I'm going somewhere or when we're going somewhere, and hot crab dip was the thing that popped out on there. So I'm like, cool, let's see who has it. And they were one of the only places that I found that had it in town. And like Matt said, because it was a Survivor Series, I brought a, a team of crab to uh, join the party. But it just wasn't as... Sometimes you learn. Yeah, we'll be back in Maryland. We'll go, we'll go to Rococo, we'll go to the Drake... We'll make our own. This game. might be one that's more akin to something you'd find in Landover, as it is like basically inland Baltimore, like right outside of DC. It's basically DC. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like not it's not Baltimore. I will say it's better than it used to be. Anyways, the first crab cake I had in Oklahoma City was at Pearls, and it was like a giant hush puppy that had like crab blended up into it or something like that to where it just wasn't recognizable as a crab no, cake. No this, this one does have more lump yeah. of crab in it, so it, it is better than your normal... Yeah, it's um, just missing that... Not fast yeah, food, but like it is, it's, national chain yeah. type It's like a place It's like food. a seafood stuffing. It's not even yeah. a really a crab exactly. cake. So it fits! Exactly. Thanks, Thanksgiving. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, the food I bring is inspired by the shows that we watch or how they make me feel. And is this how I feel about this show? I don't know yet. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> well, something that would happen right around the same time as Survivor Series, a, a few albums would drop the uh, the very next day. Beatles Anthology 1. Not the number ones album. This is the first of the anthologies. big anthologies. Yeah. yeah. Fresh Horses by Garth Brooks. What's the single off that? There's probably like five. Like I had to look real quick because he had so many albums in the '90s that I could not remember. Does this one have like uh, Thunder Rolls? No, that's that's earlier. An earlier one. I am blanking on. Fresh to make Horses. you feel my love. Yeah. Okay, I'm not familiar. You have to have heard that song. I'm sure I've heard it, but I didn't grow up with country <laughs> music, and I haven't really dived into 90s country as an adult. Yeah, that's really the main song on that album. Yeah. That's not his sad. biggest it, it, it was It was kind of the last of his... Run. Big of run. His, of his big run. The basically. run that makes him... Yeah, that made him yeah. the guy with the tiny mic and the floating above the crowd. A couple more. Uh, Ghost of Tom Joad by Bruce Springsteen. I will. I love Springsteen. I will say that uh, after Born in... I know everything like the back of my hand up to and including Born in the USA, but Tunnel of Love and On, I'm not super familiar with. So this is not a 
Springsteen album that I really know at all. I know that Ghost of Tom Joad is a Woody Guthrie song. I'm disappointed in your I know. Uh, Springsteen-ness. That's I'm, the reason I put this on here. I know. I appreciate it. I saw that and I was like, God oh, damn. Okay. Well, at first I thought you were talking about Do we know like, what Tom Joad's we from? We had this. Uh, no. I know that... The, Grapes of Wrath. Okay. I was like, I know that there's a... Uh, Woody Guthrie song. Woody Guthrie song. Yeah, I know. Based off Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, I know the Woody Guthrie song. Uh, I have never read Grapes of Wrath. I know, like, the next year he has that song from Jerry Maguire. The Secret Garden. Uh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't. I've never seen Jerry Maguire. Really? <laughs> really? I really never seen it. Click. <laughs> Show over. I should. I like Tom Cruise. Do you like Renee Zellweger? Yeah, I mean, she's good sometimes. Do you like Academy Award winner Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, in his Academy Award winning performance? Cuba, Cuba Gooding had a moment. It was Jerry Maguire. Future, future Academy Award winner Regina King as oh, I love Academy Reg- Award winner Cuba Gooding Jr.'s wife. I love Regina King. Big fan of Bonnie her. Hunt. I don't know why. We're going on a rant about Jerry Maguire. Because <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And what's the, what's the uh, last one? And the last one. Possibly the most influential... Christian album that ever came out. I can still picture the t-shirts. Jesus Freak by DC Talk. I mean, that's why I said that I was Beavis Freak, because I had some friends as a kid that were big churchgoers, and they had this album, but on the radio at the time, I don't know if it was like a big thing, or if it was just in California, there was somebody that did a parody song called Beavis Freak, because Beavis Butthead was big at the time too. Uh, So that was like some dumb radio parody that I heard, and I thought it was... um, funny even though it's probably really stupid but i was a kid uh so yeah i was curious do you guys remember the song beavis freak no the parody i've never heard it of may that. have just been some dumb thing that like the like, like west coast radio put together may, i mean yeah just like it's west coast possible. radio probably pre-clear channels eating everything up so dj butthead yeah beavis freak but uh jesus talk <laughs> i mean yeah dc talk probably i mean i i would believe it if you're like the most amount of albums sold by a Christian rock band. Weren't they a Christian rap group at one at point? This, this album, they were still a hip-hop group, Cat. but half the album is does start leaning more towards okay. the, the poppy rock stuff that they end up kind of doing in their mm-hmm. last couple albums. It's like, I'm sure Matt can name a bunch of them, but I'm like, well, DC Talk, Jars of Clay, Skillet, Carmen... Creed. Carmen. <laughs> you, you bring up Carmen. Uh, well, yeah. Though Carmen is pretty funny. Uh, Creed, yeah, Creed, but Creed, I guess Creed would be the number one one. Jessica but Simpson. they were they weren't like on a Christian label Kate or anything. Perry. They were um, just Christian. They were just Christian guys. Technically, I mean, if you want to count Evanescence and Creed, then oh, much bigger bands, because yeah. they're technically. But they were Christians in a band. Yeah, they weren't Christian like. Band. Yeah, yeah. Like you could, they weren't like their CDs weren't like specifically sold, sold to Lardells. Exactly. Which is a Christian book Christian, store. yeah, it's like a Christian Walmart base, <laughs> not Walmart, but you know, kind of. It's the backdrop for every Chick Fil A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mardell's is kind of like oh, it's part Hobby Lobby, part like part ha- part Walmart, hundred uh, percent Christian. It's a teacher in Bible supply. Yeah. But they did have the thing where you went into that they their... used to have tons of music, and now it's like two rows. Well, you could that's like every 
Every, store that ever had music now. Is, yeah, yeah, it's sad. Walk, I walked into Best Buy for the first time. It's like we have like two DVDs. A months ago, and I hadn't been in one in years. One and CD, and for some reason now we have action figures. It's like, what is this? Yeah. They gotta sell something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we gotta sell something that's not TVs and washing machines. The thing about Mardell's was that they had a thing where it's like it was like a key, where it was like if you like this band, then yes. you might like this band. Because at one point in time, there was like always at least one christian like rock band that was doing something like as good or interesting as like the first spotify (laughs) if you like this you like that (laughs) yeah it's like do you like corn but your mom won't let you buy it like yeah yeah. it was like buy stay sicker Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i don't know that band but i believe you or like mxpx is a band that i uh, had cds from because uh, i liked pop punk as a kid if you like if you like blink 182 mxpx yeah yeah. It's very much. I mean, then honestly, I've never been into a Mardell's, so this is you, all very like, uh, I've only been into one once, and I most most of this is from hearing it from other people I know that grew up like no. in a more Christian household. Even back I, then, I remember I, I remember that poster very well because you know these bands would start hitting and like cause I think if you like Nirvana, you'd like uh, uh, Bleach. Oh yeah, if you, if you like uh, uh, Slipknot, you listen Which to Bleach Zaya. is a really good band too, but. Uh, that's funny because it's a, the first Nirvana album title. <laughs> but yeah, Zayo, who's like yes, more Slipknotty or whatever. And now, like Zayo's pretty good, even though that's not really my kind of metal. But like for what it is, they do it just as good or better than some other bands that are talking about. Do you Satan like Monty Mighty Boss Tones? Do you like Five Iron Frenzy? Uh, do you like Monty Mighty Boss Tones? Just hey, get the fuck out you of leave here. you leave the Boss Tones alone. <laughs> you leave Ska alone, <laughs> sir. No, yeah. I'm good with Ska. I just old dicky asshole. Dude, <laughs> I didn't like him. Judging by the music, once. not no. by the <laughs> Hey, he's, he's still got the job. Isn't he like the announcer for Kimmel? Uh, I, I know the dancer dude just quit. I think the whole band just finally, finally? called it quits. Uh, it may, I, it I may mean, have been the whole band. Jason Sudeikis won a, you know, all these awards now, so he may as well just call it quits because there's nobody else that's going to play his same little mimicky character anymore, so... I don't get the reference. It was an SNL. Oh, yeah, uh, okay. It was the best part of that skit. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though that was a great skit, don't get me wrong. What's up with that? That one in the oh, constant rolling Oh, what's up with that one where they dance? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was the guy in the tracksuit that always danced. Like the dude in Mighty Mighty mm-hmm. It's like, the, yeah, the Keenan, like, the probably the most famous Keenan skit, even though he's been on for 10 years outside of him just doing Steve Harvey. Tried, like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, he's the longest running <laughs> cast member for sure. Yep. No, I saw DC Talk once upon a time. I think it was 92, 93. They were the opening act for Michael W. Smith. Sounds about right. Hmm? They Good. put on a good show. I didn't didn't know who they were, hadn't ever listened to them before, and I was entertained. I didn't seek them out any further than that, but, I mean, it was a good show. I mean, probably then they were still doing their complete rap thing. Mm-hmm. That's why when you were talking about it, it was rap, like, wait, aren't they supposed to be a rap group? Like... <laughs> a little rough. It is white boy rap to mm-hmm. the T. Yeah, they make the they make the. I mean, the Beastie Boys have at least New York energy either way. Exactly, but they are like a group these of are, white Jews, are, so it's like yeah, it's Tennessee kind of, boys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Word. a little uh, a little cringy at times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk some Survivor Series. Howard Finkel introduces Mister Perfect. What the what? Coming out in this. Sh- Shirt and jacket walking down the aisle to ringside. And we haven't seen Mr. Perfect since 
SummerSlam 1993, all the way back in episode 100. Dang. What was his injury? Back? I was thinking he had some sort of a back issue. Yeah, I mean, he has a a Lloyds of London insurance Mm, policy. Yeah. And so... Probably one of the earlier guys to have one. Probably. I keep that perfect back. I need to. But we then get a hype video starting with the narrator praising the accolades of our main eventers. Bret Hart's the only man to hold all of the major titles twice. I mean, he's been there forever. And he is the best. There ever will be. While Diesel won all three belts in his first year with the company. That's pretty spectacular. Impressive. Impressive. When it should have been Razor. Big Daddy Cool then says that they will find out who is the best. While the hitman tells Diesel the truck stops here. Hmm. Honk, honk. Milton Bradley Karate Fighters presents Survivor Series as the logo appears in front of a picture of the U.S. Capitol building. So we're right, right down the street. A hop, skip. Probably don't even need the jump. Nope. Yeah, the show technically says that they're in D.C., even though they're in Landover, Maryland. Yeah, every but time they show somebody's name, it's like got a flag and the picture of the top of the Capitol yeah. building. Now, when that DC first popped up on the screen, I had to do that thing. Yeah, look at the notes and it's like, wait, I swore we were in Maryland. Are we not in Maryland? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like, well... We are, but we aren't. Yeah, we're in DC. We're, yeah, I mean, RoboCop's not here. It all, blur- it all here. blurs together. Why are exactly. we in here? I thought RoboCop was in Detroit. It was Capital Combat, so I thought it was in oh, DC. Okay, Capital Combat. It was it was that's just a promotion for Robocop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, he is Detroit, even though it was shot in Texas. Okay. Vince McMahon then welcomes us to the show, and he's joined by Jim Ross and Mr. Perfect for commentary. JR then says Backland is campaigning somewhere in the arena. I mean, oh, I'm pro wow. I'm Backland for Pres. You know, he was doing that president mm-hmm. thing. So you know, maybe uh He'll have some other presidents uh, in, in the building to interact with later. Possibly. We go to our first match. The underdogs of Marty Jannetty, Hakushi, Barry Horowitz, and Bob Sparkplug Holly. Sparky. Versus the body donnas of Skip, Rad Radford, Dr. Tom Pritchard, and 123Kid. With Sonny and Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase in a Survivor Series elimination match. I love that Barry Horowitz is still over getting a pop. It's the year of Barry. I know. It's like, man. It's a Barry, Barry 95. Yeah, put the, yeah, put the, put the rocket on the back of this Jew. Let's, <laughs> let's get him to the top of the car. So Vince explains that the kid had sold out and joined the Million Dollar Corporation with DiBiase buying him a spot on this team, replacing Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Mm, kid went and got himself a sugar daddy, eh? Wouldn't you? I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if I could. I know that's it, yeah. But it is a, a, <laughs> a nice story for the kid to do it, because the kid's so over, and he's had some fun matches, and he's mm-hmm. been built pretty steadily. Oh, yeah. I mean, he just had a blowout with his, you know, his, his best bro, so mm-hmm. perfect time to... Take him over to the dark side. Yeah. Speaking of his best bro, Razor Ramon storms down the aisle. What? Only for officials to stop him, with McMahon sending us to a video package, seeing 123 helping Sid defeat Razor this past week on Raw. We then get to the match, and Marty and Pritchard start us off, with Janetti being taken to the wrong corner. 
only for him to fight his way free by knocking down all of the body donnas, followed by a back body drop to Tom. After the body donnies regroup on the floor, Radford and Holly get in the ring, running the ropes when spark plug would hit a hurricanrana. More running of the ropes when Rad would try for a hurricanrana, only to be caught and dropped with a powerbomb by Holly. Scoop slam, arm drag into an arm bar before tagging in Akushi, who was taken down by a Radford spine buster. Big ol' pop for Hakushi too. The kid then comes off the top with a frog splash for a two count, as the crowd loudly boos. One, two, three continues with a spinning heel kick before Skip comes in to attempt a super back suplex, but Akushi counters, landing on top for a near fall. Spark plug tags back in, hitting a back body drop, multiple clotheslines, and another arm drag into an arm bar. But Skip eye rakes to escape, bringing Holly to the corner where the body donnas gang up on Spark plug. Do you guys know that Bob Holly's a pretty good wrestler? He's, he's pretty not good. Too bad. It's, yeah. fun, it's just fun to see him because it's like ah, he's got skills and stuff. Yeah, he's he's crisp. I just. I'm still not a fan of his 90s hair. I'm ready for it to <laughs> get an upgrade. Pritchard nails a gut-wrench powerbomb and a body slam before heading up top, going for a moonsault, only for Holly to move. Yeah, boy. Sparkplug goes up top himself, coming off with a crossbody for the pin. And Dr. Tom Pritchard is eliminated. Fuck off, Doc. You know what I, I mean? Tom Pritchard, great wrestler, great trainer. You know what I know? So I thought I've had about uh, Pritchard the last couple of times I've seen him. Hmm. You know those memes where it's like, I guess it's based off the old Eddie Murphy joke where it's like, Banana I want blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Mom, we have X at home or whatever. And it's just like a discount version of it. It, it For this, it would be like, I want to see Bret Hart. And it's like, we have Bret Hart at home. And it's a picture of Tom Pritchard because he <laughs> kind of looks like, like you know, Bret Hart. But he's just like not as handsome. He's so more, kind of thought that's more average looking. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, he's the, still a great wrestler, but he's just not Bret Hart. I'm going to tell my kids this is so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, he yeah. could be, if there was such thing as a, you know, Bret Hart impersonator, Tom Pritchard uh, <laughs> could be the guy to do it, especially at this point in time with the hair and just the guy through round face. But Tom Pritchard, not an ugly man, but he's not as handsome uh, as Bret. As Holly celebrates, Skip runs into the ring, rolling up spark plug for the pin. And Bob Holly is eliminated. Oh, he's going to have to putt, putt, putt all the way home. <laughs> Hakushi comes in, using kicks and leg sweeps on Skip, before trying for a pump splash, only for Skip to get his knees up. Skip then places Hakushi on the turnbuckle, climbing up to hit a Frankensteiner, but knocks himself out as well. The kid is tagged in, delivering kicks to Hakushi, until a reversed Irish whip allows Hakushi to deliver a handspring back elbow, following it up with a leaping forearm. Hakushi then heads up top to nail a flying shoulder tackle for a two count before hitting a body slam and attempting a springboard splash only for one, two, three to move. We see Ramon watching in the locker room as Radford tags in, but before the kid leaves, he hits a heel kick to the back of Akushi's head, allowing Rad to roll up Akushi for a pin. Boo. And Akushi is eliminated. Horowitz comes in to check on Hakushi, but Radford just starts working him over before the kid delivers a spinning heel kick and a vertical suplex 
for a near fall. One, two, three with more kicks, but telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Barry to fight back with right hands and elbows. But the kid comes right back with kicks to regain control. Rad's back in with a gut-wrench suplex. Makes a cover, but picks his head up to make him suffer. Horowitz then nails a chin breaker, only to then telegraph a back body drop, allowing Radford to clothesline for another intentional two count. Rad with a headbutt to the little dreidels, a neck snap, and chokes, before delivering a bridging northern light suplex for a near fall. Radford decides to gloat by doing some jumping jacks and push-ups, allowing Barry to roll him up for the pin. And Rad Radford is eliminated and we won't see him again until he joins ECW uh, okay. in 96. He, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm sorry to see you go, but I barely knew you. Yep. Uh, and I'm glad to see Barry get get to eliminate somebody. It made me feel good. Horowitz wins. <laughs> Skip starts yelling at Rad while in the ring, so Horowitz takes advantage with several strikes before tossing Skip to the ropes where he makes a blind tag allowing the kid to nail a leaping kick to the back of Barry's head. 1-2-3 then nails Horowitz with a sliding leg drop for the pin, and Barry Horowitz is eliminated. And we get a cup of razor, and he's pissed in the back. Yeah, he wants that kid. He's still disgusted. Skip and Marty then fight over a waist lock, when Skip gains control and attempts Marty, a powerbomb, only for Janetti to reverse into a victory roll for a two-count. Rocker dropper by Marty before heading up top, but Sonny jumps on the apron, pulling on the ropes, knocking Janetti down to crotch himself. You dastardly witch. Skip joins on the turnbuckle, but Marty recovers to deliver a super power bomb for Ooh. the pin. That's so, damn good. And Skip is eliminated. So it's down to uh, Marty versus the kid, the kid being basically Marty Janetti 2.0. Former tag team partners. Aren't they tag team champ? No. Did they win the belts? I think they won the belts. Okay. Oh, yeah, I guess so. They Marty's, won the belts in that yeah. weird tournament, and then they lost the next night. To yeah, yeah. Marty's so in and out that it's like, did that happen? <laughs> the kid leaps into the ring with a clothesline, a spinning heel kick, comes off the top with a leg drop for a near fall. One, two, three, continues with a drop kick and a body slam before heading up top again, coming off with a senton this time, only for Janetti to avoid. The two are trading blows when Marty nails a drop kick for a two count. Psycho Sid then makes his way down to the ring as Janetti hits a leaping back elbow and a rocker dropper for a near fall as the kid gets his boot on the ropes. Did you guys see a kid do like the steamboat pose? In the match he does like the oh, steamboat. Little, oh, yeah, yeah. Karate yeah. He does the karate thing, but I just was like, it just looks like steamboats karate hands. Mm-hmm. Million Dollar Man then gets on the apron to distract the ref, allowing Sid to hotshot Marty across the top rope. One, two, three, then crawls over and makes the cover for the pin and the win. And one, two, three, kid is your survivor. You know, this was all for, all for story. Sid, Sid came back to help. Razor's pissed. It is what it is. Building up that kid. Uh huh. But there's some guys in here that get big pops and it's like mm-hmm. come on guys give Hakushi some more money the people love him let Barry Horowitz pin some more guys post match 1-2-3 is celebrating with Psycho Sid and DiBiase 
as we again see Razor throwing a fit backstage, smashing a TV against a wall, and throwing a table. That TV hit the wall, but it didn't look like it broke. I'm trying to remember for certain, but... I mean, those TVs back then were... They were pretty indestructible. Yeah, they were the yeah those like RBG monitors or whatever. I yep. always got scared as a kid watching like in the late '90s when pe- they were going through the Spanish announce table uh, every segment. That those monitors because they're so sharp on the edges, they're yep. not like plastic or whatever. They're just like giant, you know. They're probably like twenty pound like metal bricks, mm-hmm. and I'd always be like, ah. It always added a little bit more. Where now it's like. Well, I know yeah, tables, a tables break away, and it's like an iPad. Yep. It's like, no big <laughs> deal. So, yeah, but those monitors added that extra edge of somebody getting slammed through the table that always made me With nervous. With the sound effect of when they'd come over and grab the things and pull them off and throw them on the ground. Oh, yeah. They're heading, yeah, you know, yeah. They, they got some weight to them. Yeah, the little iPads just don't have the same no, effect. Not at all. Todd Pettengell is in the back with Owen Hart, Yokozuna, Dean Douglas, Jim Cornette, and Mr. Fuji. And Corny says that Ramon is real tough versus a TV, but he needs to decide where his priorities lie. Jim continues with, they didn't want him to begin with, and if he can't get along, they'll get it on. And one of his famous lines, now you're ready for the rubber room with the puzzle factory. (laughs) That's one he's used a bunch over the years. Owen chimes in that Razor needs to get serious because he has a commitment, while Dean says they are a united team. Minus the bad guy. Douglas tells Ramon it's time to get away from the monitor and get his head on straight. We then go to our second match. Bertha Faye, Aja Kong, Lioness Sasaka, and Tomoko Watanabe with Harvey Whippleman versus Alundra Blaze, Kyoko Inoue, Saki Hasagawa, and Chaparita Sara. In a Survivor Series elimination match. Alundra comes out with the championship as she had won it back from Bertha on an episode of Raw. Since the last time we saw them. Yeah, and Lioness Asuka is, uh, wait, is is that not, what's her face? I don't know, maybe it's, what's her name? Isn't Hokuto in here? (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. You got it. We have not seen any of these women other than Bertha Faye. That's true. It's like, I've seen Aja Kong. I'm thinking of something else. I was trying to remember if Aja Kong had been on any of the Japanese shows that we had watched, but I couldn't remember for sure. She wasn't, no. If we had watched the two-day version of Collision in Korea, we could have caught her. We could have seen her. Yeah, sorry. I'm thinking of a different women's match that I've watched recently. We have not seen any of these women other than our... WWF superstars. Yeah. So WWF had teamed up with All Japan Pro Wrestling to bring in some Joshi wrestlers to fill out the roster. Trying to actually have a women's division. I miss the days when WWF slash E would work with other companies to... Yeah, when you can get somebody like Hakushi that's like instantly over because he looks awesome and does cool stuff. So Lioness and Asari start us off with Asuka ducking a crossbody before delivering a spinning wheel kick and a giant swing for a two-count. Lioness goes for a back suplex only for Chaparita to float over and fall into the corner to tag Blaze, who comes in with kicks and a body slam before Asari flies off the ropes with a sky-twister press. Pretty crazy stuff. Alundra then follows up with a bridging German suplex for the pin. 
and Lioness Asuka is eliminated. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, and uh, I love that Vince McMahon, you always hear people make fun of him and say, pronouns, pal. And it's like, he did not worry about learning these women's names. But luckily, uh, JR is here, and he is... Uh, trying his hardest. Yeah, he's trying. He's doing a pretty good job. Mike Tanay doesn't work for the company, but Jim Ross is uh, trying and putting these girls over to the best of his ability. He's not quite Mike Tanay when it comes to... Uh, you know, international wrestling. Oh, yeah. He's he's not quite Jim Ross yet either, so... He's almost there. Tomoko jumps in the ring to kick Blaze before going up top, only to miss a moonsault, as Alundra is already to her feet. Watanabe rolls out to regroup, but Blaze just leaps off the top rope with a crossbody to take her down. Back in the ring, Saki tags in to deliver rolling butterfly suplexes. Goes for a pop-up powerbomb, but Tomoko is too much. So Hasegawa is butt-splashed down to the mat. Watanabe then comes off the top rope with another butt-splash for a near fall. Kong is tagged in, who nails Saki with several strikes. But Hasegawa comes back with a heel kick and multiple T-bone suplexes for a two-count. Saki then comes off the top, only to be met with a kick to the ribs, before Aja hits an overhead back suplex for the pin. And Saki Hasegawa is eliminated. Asari then runs in and tries for a crossbody, only to just bounce off Kong, followed by Aja slamming her down and nailing a splash off the second rope for a pin. And Chaparita Asari is eliminated. Never even saw that bus coming. I know Aja Kong is, uh, she's uh, our our Bam Bam uh, <laughs> uh, Bigelow, or our uh, Vader here, our uh, Bull Nakano. Alundra then comes in to trade kicks with Kong before Kyoko tags in to clothesline Aja several times. Inoye has her Irish whip reversed, so she comes off the ropes with a sunset flip, only for Kong to stay up and butt splash down for the pin. And Kyoko Inoye is eliminated. Blaze is all alone. Oh, man. So the three women on the other side all attack her. But Alundra fights them off. Hair with hair pulling and snap suplexing Tomoko for a two count. Blaze attempts a power bomb only for Watanabe to block, so she transitions into a pile driver instead for a pin. I mean, it's a pretty good consolation prize. Mm -hmm. And Tomoko Watanabe is eliminated. Faye then pounces on Alundra, splashing her in the corner, and starts to work a leg with kicks and shoulder blocks. Kong comes in for some double teaming, but Blaze ducks, causing Bertha and Aja to hit each other, allowing Alundra to capitalize with a bridging German suplex for a pin. And Bertha Faye is eliminated. Like a bridging suplex on Bertha is mm-hmm. uh, pretty special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kong attacks with headbutts, sending Blaze to the corner for her version of a flare flip out to the apron. It's beautiful. She just, like, it is... It looks like it's stri- like uh, motion capture for a video game. It's so on point. I was like, my God, what a fucking wonderful flare flip. It just, yeah. Yeah. Little traces of sensational Sherry uh, all yeah. over in there. It's Yeah, it's That's... just so on point. Yep. She jumps up to the turnbuckles, but Aja meets her there to superplex her down to the mat for a near fall. <gasps> Alundra then ducks a spinning back fist to grab a waist lock. 
but Kong just backs her into the corner to deliver several butt bumps. Blaze recovers to kick Aja off before hitting a hurricanrana, a second rope drop kick, and a standing moonsault for a two count. Alundra then heads up top only for Kong to just yank her down to the mat. Climb to the second rope herself, but Blaze meets her there with some kicks and attempts a superplex, only to be headbutted off to the mat. Aja then delivers several avalanche splashes before drilling Alundra with the spinning back fist for the pin and, and the, the win. win. So Aja Kong is your survivor. Pretty cool. A fun outcome. So we're getting like our Bolnacano part two in that like big famous girl from Japan who is powerful getting a win over really your only female star in the company at the moment it was a nice showcase for all these other women they all got to do something some fun uh, flashy move with the exception of Bertha Faye who doesn't have any fun or flashy moves no she does not she kind of puffs her hair up there and flirts and yells at old Harvey but that's that's about all she's got she's got a good look for a heel Yes, and that was the other thing too. Is we've got our back-to-back heel soul survivors for your two first matches. So, is that the sign of things to come? Bum, bum, bum. So this was supposed to be the beginning of Blaze's new feud, but this would be the last time we see Alundra Blaze in a WWF ring for 23 years. But she would show up. On Nitro with the WWF belt. I know, I just... Dropping it into a trash can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Famous moment, famous uh, photo, famous gif clip. What have you. Yep. Pink pink belt in the trash. It's not not a Nitro that we have scheduled to watch, so I just wanted to go ahead and mention it there. Yeah, definitely worth looking up the clip. It's probably on YouTube. Oh, yeah. But because of that incident, the WWF would get rid of their women's division what little bit they had of one it's like one of the things it's like well who else Go back to japan yeah it's like who's better than alundra <laughs> blaze right now let's not even worry about it we're obviously probably pretty salty so they wouldn't have a women's division for another three years in the wwf which would also rob us of ever seeing any of these other women ever again as well yeah because yeah. they're all they all go to all japan for wrestling so Unless they just show up on a weird show. Yeah. Like, Aja Kong's still wrestling. So if we ever get to AEW, we might see her. But all the other women, like, pretty much are done within the next five years. And we don't, we won't ever. Yeah. They all have nice so. careers uh, in Japan. And that is one thing that none of us really know a whole lot about. But supposedly that 90s... Uh, Female Japanese wrestling is uh, pretty ba- pretty banging shit. Some of the stuff that I have seen, of course, is great. Some of the glimpses of it we've covered on the show have been great, but we are not authorities no, on the subject. Not. I didn't like the fact that at one point Mr. Fer- Perfect made the, the comment about it being possibly the first time women have been featured at the Survivor Series. Just totally forgetting about the... Jumping bomb angels. I know. Uh, Jim Ross pointed it out though too. Yeah. Jim Ross was there to yeah. That made me happy. Up. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't think that's. We'll true. remind you about the jumping bomb angels. Jumping bomb angels are great. <laughs> Todd Pettengill is then in the crowd with President Bill Clinton, Ugh. or at least the same impersonator they used the last time they were in DC. And Bill says he's excited to be there. 
Todd asks if he's a fan of Bam Bam Bigelow, whose music had started to play in the background. But Bill just confuses him with the Flintstones. Yeah, he said he loved watching him um, hanging out with pebbles or something. He makes a Flintstones joke. Bigelow's pyro then goes off, and the Secret Service members all spring into action because they think that Bill is being attacked. It's kind of a funny gag. That was actually a pretty good Pretty good it was the, the best gag that involves Bill Clinton we've had yet. <laughs> Pun words. <laughs> oh, man. Not what I meant, but pretty funny. Thanks, Shane. We go to our third match. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Gold Dust. Gold Dust. And we get a promo from the Golden One. Beware the Beast Man, for he is the Devil's Pawn. Planet of the Apes, 1968. He then invites Bam Bam to the greatest show on earth, promising tragedies and nightmares for Bigelow, and tells him to remember the name. Gold Dust. So he does this like movie quote thing for a little while, right? That's just yeah. like how the start. It was a funny one to be like, Planet of the Apes, 1968. It's like, yeah, great movie. Love it. But 1968. I mean, I guess... I'm sure Planet of the Apes was playing on television constantly at this point in time. Probably. On cable. So the Golden One starts laying it in with right hands and chokes across the ropes to start. But a reversed Irish whip sends Gold Dust scrambling to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, the Golden One is sent to the corner and gets a boot up on the charging Bigelow. Rolling out to regroup again, but ends up pulling Bam Bam out as well so that they can brawl. Bigelow ducks a clothesline attempt, sending Gold Dust arm first into the post. Posted. They both roll back in where the Golden One regains control to clothesline Bam Bam over the ropes to the floor. Once they're back in, Bigelow starts to fight back with headbutts, only for Gold Dust to hit a knee lift to the gut to stop the comeback and toss Bam Bam back out to the floor. Watching this, I'm like, I wonder what Jim Ross thinks of, of like... Dustin Rhodes doing this so not Dustin Rhodes gimmick. And then also, did you guys see the sign in the crowd that says, uh, Gold Dust is Dustin Rhodes? <laughs> and there's just a guy with like, just like a yellow sign with like black writing, and he just legitimately just says, he's like, just letting the cat out of the bag as if it's not like obvious. As a kid, when I saw, uh, Gold Dust. I wasn't familiar with Dustin Rhodes. I just liked Gold Dust because he uh, was weird, and I wasn't watching in '95 or whatever either. Mm-hmm. So I saw a little bit later of uh, Gold Dust, but uh, I just so bizarre. I thought it was funny. It's just so the last person to be an androgynous role, the least female-looking person I can fucking think of is Dustin Rhodes. Big old cowboy from Texas. Uh huh. The golden one then follows out to where he keeps up the attack, ramming Bigelow into the still steps. Bam Bam makes it back into the ring, where Goldust starts kicking away, only to be caught and hit with a back suplex. Bigelow then goes for a falling headbutt, but the Golden One avoids and begins to wear down Bam Bam with chin locks, until Bigelow powers out with an electric chair drop. Boom. The two trade strikes until Goldust delivers a leaping clothesline and a knee drop. Only for Bam Bam to answer with a back suplex and multiple clotheslines of his own for a near fall. Bigelow then misses a splash in the corner, allowing the Golden One to hit a bulldog for the pin. 
and the win. And this would be Bam Bam's last match in the WWF. Mm. But he'll show up somewhere else very, very soon. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're putting gold... Goldust is racking up wins. They're doing a thing with Goldust. Win over Bam Bam. It's pretty big, even though he's not necessarily been booked particularly well here. He's been a off and on staple of the WWF. Hey guys, um, didn't Bam Bam main event WrestleMania? Yeah, he did. Sure did. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Goldust. Seven months later, your main eventer mm-hmm. is out of your company. Yeah, losing to your new arrival. Yeah, he did the job on the way out. That was nice of him. Mm-hmm. At least it was to a, a very good wrestler. It was nice to see Goldust with some uh, some nice psychology. He's pretty good at this, if you guys didn't know. Yeah, it's like he was you know, born into it or grew yeah. up around it or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Had a dad who kind of knew stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like he uh, likes wrestling and respects it. Pettengill is still with Bill Clinton. But he's joined by Bob Backlund as well. And Bob ignores a handshake while Bill suggests Backlund enter the presidential race. Mr. Backlund. Bob then asks Bill why he's there and if he considers him one of the 8,000 irrelevant government employees as the government was shut down at this point. Yeah, it was a furlough situation. And yeah. they're really hitting it hard. It uh, turns out... Uh, the owners of the WWF are not particularly fond of uh, Republicans. I mean, not Republicans, Democrats, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. We all know. Hmm. 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 Yeah. The, I, I saw an ad that actually said uh, a headline for the Vince stuff this week. Yeah. That was literally like, husband of former uh, Trump Trump. Uh, Trump cabinet <laughs> member was, how, was how, they, how they described it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you can probably count on your hands how many uh, Democratic wrestlers... There, like Democratic voting wrestlers, there are in the WWF or just in wrestling in the United States in 1995 on like two hands. Who's Canadian that has double, uh, <laughs> double citizenship? <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's less of the case now, but it's uh, still more red than blue. For every uh, uh, Danielson, there is a Isaac Yankum. For every, there's two Isaac Yankums. There's an Isaac Yankum and an Undertaker. <laughs> I mean, a uh, Mean Mark Callis. <laughs> So Bill doesn't know how to respond and just goes back to try to convincing Bob to run for president. Cool. Yep. I mean, Backlund is good at uh, his character, but it's not super necessary. Not at this point, no. 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 I mean, like, he is good at doing this, but it's not particularly compelling. Yeah, he's, he's still all crazy. Vince then sends it to a video package where this past June at King of the Ring. Mabel had defeated The Undertaker with the help of Kama on his way to becoming king. We then see Mabel and Yokozuna attack the dead man last month on Raw, putting Taker out of action with a facial injury. We then come back to the ring with Jerry the King Logler in the ring, where he introduces his team, which leads us to our fourth match. The Royals of Jerry the King Lawler, Isaac Yankum DDS, Hunter Hurst Helmsley and King Mabel with Sir Mo versus the dark side of Savio Vega, Henry O. Godwin, Fatu, and The Undertaker with Paul Bearer in a Survivor Series elimination match. It was nice of uh, Undertaker to get all of his buddies a payday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some, uh, 
I always forget it. BTS, BTK, BTK, BT. Yeah, BTK. It's like, oh, oh. I mean, you know. What does it stand for again? No, it's BSK. BSK. Bone Street. Bone, Bone Street crew? crew. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, BTK like is uh, serial killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bound torture and kill. They like playing dominoes uh, in the back. Yeah, dom- yeah they're real. Cards. They're real men, not play video games. That's right. Yeah, they. Uh, they like uh, motorcycles and uh, whiskey and you know. Cool guy stuff, which honestly sounds pretty fun. So the dead man enters to complete darkness before raising the lights, taking his gear off to reveal a Phantom of the Opera style mask. The Phantom yeah, it of the Undertaker's here. <laughs> it looks like the top of Emperor Palpatine's face, like <laughs> like his eyes. Uh, it reminds me of like Palpatine in like A New Hope, where it's not even the actor yet. Everyone runs from Taker. So it finally settles down to Fatu hitting Hunter in the ring with a back body drop and some clotheslines. Until he telegraphs another back drop. So Triple H attempts a pedigree, only for the Undertaker's presence to scare him off. Speaking Ooh. of Triple H. Mr. Perfect says it. Is this our first Triple H? Yeah. Hunter actually prefers being called Triple H. How did I miss this in... 1995. Because <laughs> it was the first time you heard it. Yeah. Crazy. Because also Vince wanted him to be called Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. Perfect. It's crazy that he kept that. dropping that. If it wasn't for the Triple H nickname, there's no way he probably would have kept the whole name. Like, Hunter, he would have to change, because he changed gimmicks, but kept the name, because Triple H somehow sounds good, even though it seems silly on paper. It just works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, can, it can be a, a blue blood. That was the other thing, too, is I think it was Vince that referred to him as WWE's own Regal Blue Blood or something like that. So it was like he was throwing shade. Throwing shade. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind, of, kind of rare. The other guys are the ones that typically throw the shade that directly. Okay. Well, hey, they're, they're going to be sh- throwing some more shade here oh, yeah. pretty damn quick with uh, somebody coming over and throwing something in the trash can. <laughs> so Fatu goes after Hunter only to get his head slammed in the turnbuckle. But we all know that does no good. So Fatu dances it off and tags Godwin in. Hunter retreats and wants to tag out with Lawler getting in, only to think twice about it. So he tags in the dentist. Yankum nails a clothesline, but Hogg comes right back with a hip toss, a body slam, and an elbow drop before the dentist throws him off into the corner. Yankum delivers a back suplex before Triple H returns to attack the vulnerable Godwin hitting several European uppercuts and chokes, with even Sir Moe getting involved. A running knee by Hunter for a two-count, but Hogg recovers to press-slam Triple H down to the mat. Savio and the King both tag in, with Vega hitting a hip toss before doing some dancing, but Lawler returns the favor with a kick to do some dancing of his own. Savio with a drop kick to send the king into the corner where Fatu ping-pong punches Lawler back to Vega. Fatu then tags in to hit several turnbuckle smashes and headbutts on the king, but a reversed Irish whip sends Fatu crashing into the dentist's knee from the apron. Yankum then tags in to slam Fatu before a leaping leg drop, tries to Irish whip Mabel into Fatu, only for the Samoan to move. Savio then jumps in the ring with chops and kicks to King Mabel, but then runs into a sidewalk slam and an overhead toss. The Royals triple-team Vega in the corner with chokes in right hands. 
a Yankum drop kick, a Triple H knee drop for a two count, a Mabel clothesline from the apron before Lawler tags in to deliver a pile driver for a near fall. The attack keeps coming from the Royals until Savio fires up to hit a Uranagi on Hunter, only for the King to cut off the tag and land another pile driver. But he no-sells it and leaps to his corner for the hot tag to the Undertaker. I was going to say, who's... Who's uh, who did Savio Vega pay to take two pile drivers from Lawler and no pin? And it's like, oh, he's just friends with the Undertaker. Yep. He was like, damn, really? Lawler scrambles to make a tag, but his entire team runs away. So the King gets lifted with a double choke before the dead man hits a tombstone pile driver for the pin. Bum bum bum. And Jerry the King Lawler is eliminated. Dead. The dentist then comes in with a right hand only for Taker to come back with a leaping clothesline and another tombstone for a pin. And Isaac Yankum DDS is eliminated. Is that the first time Dead. he's pile-drived his brother? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hunter looks to come in, but then he retreats to the outside and looks to leave, only for Godwin to be standing in the aisle with the slop bucket. Oh, no, not the slop! So we at least know what wins in Rock, Paper, Scissors, Undertaker slop bucket. <laughs> Fuck. Nice. The dead man grabs Triple H and chokes landing from the apron down to the mat for a pin. And Hunter Hearst Helmsley is eliminated. Dead. King Mabel pounces on Taker, delivering a belly-to-belly suplex and a leg drop. Only for Undertaker to sit right up. Which scares the shit out of Mabel, sending him running as Sir Mo attacks the dead man. The Look at Mo, only guy that's not... A weenie. Mm-hmm. It's the only one that's got some cojones. <laughs> I know. And he's a hype man, for Christ's sake. That's why they call him Sir. sir yeah, sir. He, he earned Sir, whereas <laughs> uh, King Mabel and King uh, Jerry Lawler uh, need to turn their crowns upside down. Yep. The ref counts Mabel out, making the dark side your survivors as they surround Mo, who gets taken down with another choke slam. Dead. Our commentators start talking about the main event. JR saying he thinks Diesel is going to win before Vince sends it to a video package. Where we see Brett saying he knows the winner will face Bulldog, but he's taking it one match at a time and would be lying if he wasn't worried about Big Daddy Cool. Hart continues by comparing himself to Wayne Gretzky, wondering if he's still the best there is, was, and ever will be. But the truck stops here. And that Diesel will be excellently executed. Ooh, he's going to murder him? Yeah, that that line there. I, I think I laughed more than I should have when he said that because it was just, <laughs> who says that? You're going to be excellently executed. I mean, I mean, Moxley's going to drink your blood, so it's, it's, it is what it is. Is Diesel going to come back and say you're going to be Big Daddy Cooled? Yeah. <laughs> Big Daddy Cool tells Davy Boy he wouldn't even be in the picture without Hitman's interference. Brett stuck his nose in my business, so he has to go through Hart to get back to the Bulldog. Diesel also mentions people think the match favors the Hitman the longer it goes, and agrees with that idea. But he isn't paid by the hour. Big Daddy Cool promises high-impact power moves and claims the WWF has run efficiently. On diesel power, finishing with that it's ironic that Brett 
Survive, Survivor Series. We then go to Todd Pettengale, who's with DiBiase, Sid, Davy Boy, and Cornette. Todd says he talked to Corny earlier when he was with the other team, as he has members on both teams of our main event, or our of our wild card match. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're getting to, a wild card match. But Jim denies that it ever happened, claiming to be as honest as the day is long. Million Dollar Man isn't really convinced and threatens Cornette if he double-crosses their team. Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson, the, the rest of the team that wasn't there, interrupt at that moment, with HBK calling them ladies and telling them to stop fighting. Sean also calls Ahmed his back door before calling it a wild night and a wild team. I mean, if you got Ahmed at your back door, yeah, it's going to be a wild night for sure, Sean. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's not at his back door. Is no, his he is his back, back door. door. I mean, yeah, like, uh, yeah if, you, if I was looking for uh, a bouncer, I'm pretty sure Ahmed Johnson is uh, maybe the top of the list. Yeah. Big old dude. Practically a Brahma bull before there was a Brahma bull. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with Ahmed Johnson, but he looks incredible. <coughs> so we go to our fifth match. Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Dean Douglas, and Razor Ramon with Mr. Fuji. Versus the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith, Psycho Sid, Ahmed Johnson, and Shawn Michaels. With Jim Cornette and Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase in a Survivor Series elimination match. Wild card edition. Or whatever. If you didn't already guess, Shawn Michaels gets by far the biggest pop. Kind of does. Who does? Shawn Michaels. Probably the reason is because this was his first match back after being injured. Yeah, and uh, it's quite the pop, and he comes out last, and uh, you can imagine that this might be a Shawn Michaels show. Compared to how he was still nursing a smashed face from a car door or... Whatever, the last time we saw him, yeah, he... From being a bit of a really party good. boy. So Hart and Sean start us off with lots of athletic maneuvers, including a hip toss, kick out, float over on a body slam into a toss over the ropes, only for Michaels to skin the cat back up into a head scissors to send Owen out to the floor. And I just have to fun, say... Fun little fungal combo. How beautiful of a start. You've got Sean, you got Owen... It's like the two people we've been missing from our TVs for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, well, these are the like, smallest guys, but they're also the best wrestlers here, with the exception of uh, maybe Dean, but these guys are better than Dean. Yep. HBK follows out where Cornette swings his racket at Sean, but drops it when Michaels hits him. So HBK picks it up and smacks Corny with the racket. I mean, I love a racket spot. Back in the ring, Hart catches Sean with a power slam, followed by Douglas coming in to continue the punishment to Michael's head with a vertical suplex and kicks. HBK then fights back to whip Dean from corner to corner before hitting a leaping forearm and heads up top for a double axe handle that gets a two count. Douglas recovers to get a boot up, nailing a body slam and go for a pump splash, but Sean is able to avoid and head up top again, this time for a moonsault. Ahmed is tagged in and cleans house with clotheslines, back body drops, axe kicks, before going for a body slam on Yokozuna, but he fails, allowing the heels to attack. Zuna with headbutts and back rakes, 
Douglas wearing Johnson down with a chin lock and eye rakes, triple teams in the corner, and a double clothesline from Owen and Dean for a near fall. But Ahmed fights back with a power slam of Douglas and tagging in Sean, followed by press slamming Michaels onto Dean for a two count. Fun spot. I do love that Ahmed Johnson, it's like, oh, they've done the spot where it's like, oh, in a multi-man match where it's like, He'll try to slam Yoko, but like this is one where it's like I could see them allowing Ahmed Johnson to slam him because he looks like he can and probably can, but it's a great psychology for a multi-man match where it's like, okay, well, now they're all going to beat him down. Yeah, and they talked about him slamming him at one point. Previously, I think he right? slammed him earlier in the week on Raw. Yeah, because they had to eliminate the fact yeah. that Lex was the only one who could slam him. Yeah, and also it's like, oh, it's smart to do that if you want to get this guy over and put over this match. They're going to be there, so maybe we'll get to see him slam him again. Yeah, and you got Yoko, who's like, sure, why not do it? Yeah, yeah, if you can. Yeah, he's like, I'll eat an extra (laughs) bucket of chicken wings before the match, see if you can slam slam me. HBK sets up for the sweet chin music, only for Douglas to bail to the floor, where Razor orders Dean to get back into the ring. Douglas shoves Ramon before getting in, but continues to be distracted, allowing Sean to grab Dean for an O'Connor roll, only for Douglas to roll through for a two-count. The kickout sends Dean to the ropes, where Razor hits him with a right hand, sending him backwards into a Michaels roll-up for a pin, and Dean Douglas is eliminated. Hart charges in, only to be dropped to hold by HBK, Tagging in Bulldog, where they start shoving each other and throwing right hands. Davy Boy catches Owen with a monkey flip, only for Hart to come back with a wheel kick for a two count. But then they both realize, hey, we're both heels. Why are we going at each other? Yep. So they tag out, forcing Sean and Ramon to go, where they stare each other down before they start running the ropes, with Michaels tossing Razor out to the floor, only for him to immediately roll back in to deliver a clothesline. Yeah, I love that Shawn Michaels looks at the crowd and does his like smug little shrug a bunch of times throughout this match. And it's, you know, b- both men, no ladder, no belt. JR lets us know that there's been seven, between the two of them, there's been, the IC title's been held seven times, which is like, oh, damn. That's a lot, especially considering Razor hasn't been here all that long. Yep. They both try for hip tosses before HBK hits a back elbow, followed by a double KO after they both go for crossbodies. Sean then telegraphs a back body drop, allowing the bad guy to hit a razor's edge for a near fall, as Ahmed jumps in the ring to break it up. Another telegraph back drop, only to receive a knee lift this time out of desperation, followed by another double KO as they bump heads in the middle of the ring. I love that there's some cheers and some jeers at the uh, two count on the razor's edge because people... A lot of people love Razor, a lot of people love Sean. It's fucking hot shit, man. Michaels makes his way to the corner to tag in Sid, who comes in with double axe handles, right hands, and chokes, before nailing Ramon with some boots. Yoko comes into the ring to help his partner, nailing Psycho Sid from behind, but he no-sells it as the ref removes Yokozuna from the ring. Forearms to the back by Sid, but Razor fights back, only for them to close on each other. For another double KO. Psycho Sid's up first, going upstairs, only to be met by the bad guy who press slams him off to the mat for a two count. 
Sid then catches Ramon with a choke slam and tags in HBK, holding Razor for some sweet chin music. But the bad guy moves in time, causing Psycho Sid to take the blow. Sean just kind of shrugs his shoulders. So, <laughs> right, uh, hey, that's what it is. Allowing Ramon to make the cover when Davy Boy runs in to break it up, only to leg drop Sid as well. So Razor makes another cover for the pin, and Psycho Sid is eliminated. Boom, boom, boom. I love that like, Sean's like, eh, fuck it, it is what it is, yep. and just like walks away, and I thought he like like tagged like British Bulldogs, but it's no British Bulldog goes to stop it because he's like, what the fuck, I want to win, and Sean's just like, I'm a fucking shithead, and I'm going to do <laughs> shithead stuff. Sid goes psycho, grabbing, hitting Michaels with a powerbomb before he leaves, as Bulldog stomps away on the bad guy. But after Davy Boy makes it back to the apron, Razor makes a cover for a two count. Owen is then tagged in to keep the to keep up the attack on HBK with a backbreaker, a back body drop. Zuna then comes in as well to send Sean to the corner for his flare flip. But when he comes back in the ring, Yokozuna locks on the nerve hold. The nerve of that guy. <laughs> but Michaels fights his way free, only to run into a back elbow. So that probably hurts more. Hart comes in with a double headbutt, keeps it up with a snap suplex before heading up top for a flying headbutt. The HBK moves, crawling to the corner for the hot tag. Ahmed cleans house with right hands before catching Owen with a Pearl River plunge, a tiger bomb, for a pin, and Owen Hart is eliminated. So Pearl River Plunge is a tiger bomb, huh? Yep. Yeah, I always, okay. I, I just was like, oh, it's a tiger bomb or a sit-out power bomb. I didn't know the power punch, Pearl. Pearl River Plunge. Pearl River Plunge. Cool. Yep. God, not, a, not the best name. <laughs> but hey, hey. It's from, from where he's from. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I get, I get it. It's just, you know, try to make it personal. I understand. <laughs> it's just not like the razor's edge. Razor answers with a bulldog before cleaning house of the rest of Johnson's teammates, but this allows Ahmed to recover, and now Ramon with a spinebuster. But Johnson decides to pose instead of making a cover, Uh-oh. allowing the bad guy to hit a Razor's edge, but the bulldog breaks up the pin and starts beating on Razor. All of a sudden, Psycho Sid and 1-2-3 Kit arrive at ringside, along with DiBiase, as Davy Boy is caught by Ramon, dropping him with a fallaway slam for a near fall. The bad guy hits a clothesline and then goes to run the ropes, but the kid trips him up, allowing the bulldog to deliver a running power slam for a pin. And Razor Ramon is eliminated. I'll get you, kid. Yoko is left versus the other three on the other team. Sean's rocking him with right hands, but Zuna is able to knock Michaels down with a right hand of his own. Yokozuna then hits a body slam and a leg drop, drags HBK to the corner, attempting the bonsai drop, only for Sean to avoid and crawl to his corner for another hot tag. Ahmed comes in and body slams Yoko to a huge pop from the crowd, making the cover, only for Davy Boy to break up the pin? Sure. Michaels and Johnson are shoving Bulldog. Like, what, what are you doing, man? Before just double clotheslining out of the ring. HBK then turns and delivers sweet chin music. While Ahmed hits a jumping splash for the pin. And, and the win. win. So Shawn Michaels 
Ahmed Johnson and the British Bulldog are your survivors. I know Bulldog doesn't deserve the payday. Uh, I do love that it's like, oh, it's nice to give Ahmed Johnson the pin because Sean doesn't need it and Ahmed Johnson looks great and he got to slam Yoko twice and uh, I mean, you know, it's not as big of a deal as it once was, but it is technically a bigger deal because he weighs more every waking hour. Yeah, he weighs more. You got Ahmed, that's the new guy also, who just pinned the former WWF champion and you know he's yeah. the the hero of '93. He's the or the heel of '93. Not star in the entire group who is the one that that wins the match. So that that made me happy. It's like they're possibly trying to build future stars on this show. What a concept! Weird. I'm I'm happy to see it. Whether it works out or not, you got to try. Yep. I need a Barry versus <laughs> Barry Horowitz versus Ahmed Johnson for the Intercontinental Title. Book it. Pengel <laughs> is with Bill again. But who's who's joining them? They're joined by Sonny, sitting on Bill's lap. She's feeding him popcorn. Exactly. Oh my God. Bill says he likes nothing more than watching a perfect match as he stares at Sonny's chest the entire time before asking if she wants a cabinet position. Mm, he pours some popcorn on her uh, matches. Fun, fun bags, that's not... That's just a Sunny says she would make say. a great undersecretary ah. when Bill invites her to go over some other positions. Oy. We're then sent to a video package where Brett talks about his previous matches with Diesel. And they were knocked down, drag out bouts. Big Daddy Cool says he gave Hart jackknives both times. But the question is, can he beat him? Diesel is going to use his power and leverage to beat up the hitman. Brett says that his title reign was interrupted, and Big Daddy Cool carries his belt. Diesel with, it will be a war, but I'm bigger and stronger than I was in our last match. Before we go back to ringside, where Vince asks for predictions. JR stays with Big Daddy Cool, while Perfect picks heart. I mean, Perfect knows what's up. He's been in the ring with that man before. Mm -hmm. He's had him take his belt before. I love Bret Hart saying, he's like... Um, yeah, I can take a licking and keep on ticking. I was like, Yeah, but the truck stops here. But the truck stops here. It's like, okay, buddy. Trucking around. Um, I also love this is, uh, you know, pre Monica because Bill Clinton uh, had some, like, scandals or uh, rumors uh, way ahead of time that oh, yeah. would inform something like this that, you know, people may not remember as well as. During his. As, uh, as you know, the later into the 90s. So we're headed to our sixth match. Brett, the Hitman Hart, versus Diesel for the WWF Heavyweight Championship in a no-DQ match. Which I didn't know until they announced it. Same. I don't know that they made it clear, but whatever. They made it clear here, but they didn't earlier in the show. You'd like to think they would have done that to sell pay-per-views in a no-DQ match. We've seen these guys wrestle before with some... Questionable endings. Yeah, which is the which idea. Is the reason why. Yeah. When the ref shows Brett the belt, he just kind of wags his eyebrows looking out into the crowd. <laughs> he doesn't quite have Sean swagger. We love Brett. He is the excellent of Ed's execution, but I would say that Shawn Michaels might be the best sports entertainer of all time. Yes, I would agree. 
or you know, he would be in the in the conversation for best quote unquote sports entertainers. Like, but Brett is uh, one of the best wrestlers. You know, because they always get compared. But I think that they are different things, and I think that's a big difference. Someone tried to have an argument with uh, Meltzer the other day about how Osprey is just a spot monkey, basically, is what he was getting at. Yeah. But he compared. The guy went on to go. I'd rather watch Shawn Michaels every day, all day. And it was like, um, if you watch Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels is the spot monkey back in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, Shawn Michaels is, is, a, is, a, is, a, great, is a great wrestler. But, like, yeah, that's the different just, thing. It's just funny because, like, because guess what? In 20 years, Osprey won't be considered a spot monkey. He'll probably be considered actually a really good wrestler. Yeah, and, and, he, and, even, and he'll be, yeah, he'll be he's, complaining about yeah. the new generation. And in 2022, since he went heavyweight, he's less of right. the quote-unquote spot monkey. But it's just funny because I was just like... Yeah, people are... Yeah. People are fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. And Osprey's great. <laughs> he's a great fucking wrestler. So Big Daddy Cool removes a turnbuckle pad. Oh, yeah? So the hitman turns and removes one as well. Yeah. If you want blood, you probably won't get it. This is WWF, but, I mean, you know. We're going to make you yeah, think. Maybe no, there's No love lost between these men. This is for a title. It means a lot to them. Hart goes for Diesel's legs. But Big Daddy Cool answers the forearms, elbows, and knees in the corner until Brett falls out to the floor. Diesel falls out to continue the punishment, dropping the hitman across a guardrail with a not-so-rubber-band slam before slamming his head into the apron and rolling Hart into the ring. Big Daddy Cool stalking after Brett, only for the hitman to roll back out to the floor. So Diesel again follows out to choke Hart against the guardrails. Back in the ring, Brett begins to fire up, only for Big Daddy Cool to regain control with his power advantage, knocking the hitman back out to the floor. Diesel tossing Hart into the still steps and rams his back into the ring post. Posted. Before grabbing a chair to use as well across the back. After rolling Brett back into the ring, Big Daddy Cool with a hard Irish whip, a short arm clothesline, and attempts the jackknife powerbomb. But the hitman blocks by holding onto the leg. Before escaping by biting the arm and forehead. I mean, we know you want the belt. You guys had some matches. But biting, Thanks. you're not you're not you're not wearing yellow and red. It's no DQ. I know, I know. I mean, then you know, Brett. Yeah, that's that's why Brett did it. Hogan does it in regular old matches. And so. he did already get hit by a chair, but Brett did use a chair in Tampa, so you know, it is what it is. Hey, he he remembers what happened last year. It wasn't Diesel's fault, yeah. but he lost that title last year because somebody threw in a towel. So. <laughs> Yeah, and he got uh, screwed way before that. It was at WrestleMania nine. Yeah, where Hogan just shows up and see steals the show. Mm-hmm. You never know how long you're going to stay on top. Mm-hmm. Hart with a sleeper before beginning to work the legs of Diesel, locking on a figure four. The Big Daddy Cool reaches the ropes. He's a big boy. You got to get him in the center, and even then, he might be able to make it. <laughs> Brett continues to work the leg and tries for a sharpshooter only be kicked off into one of the exposed turnbuckles, but he recovers to trip up Diesel and slam his knee against the post multiple times. Posted. Posted. You gotta work that knee. Diesel's working the back. Brett's working the knee. When's Brett not working the knee? The hitman then ties Big Daddy Cool's legs together using some cable. It's a mic cable from like the announcer. Uh, it's pretty pretty fun which allows Hart to hit a second rope elbow drop and goes for a chair, 
only for Diesel to kick him away several times to block. Brett's back up and starts to use the chair across the leg, follows up with some elbow drops and a backbreaker to keep up the attack. The hitman then climbs the top rope with the chair in hand, but Big Daddy Cool makes it to his feet to hit a shot to the gut, causing Hart to crotch himself. Crushes little hearts. Diesel press slams Brett down to the mat before freeing himself and using the cable to choke the hitman. Big Daddy Cool follows that with a side slam and an Irish whip into an exposed turnbuckle before delivering a body guillotine on the ropes and snake eyes on a padded turnbuckle. Hmm, you wouldn't, you need to work that uh, ring awareness, but he is still selling his leg. Diesel tries for another snake eyes, this time to one of the exposed ones. Only for Hart to slither free, smashing Big Daddy Cool's head into the turnbuckle. Brett starts to fire up with right hands, a leaping clothesline for a two count, second rope bulldog for a near fall, and a Russian leg sweep for another two. The hitman with the clothesline to send Diesel over the ropes to the floor. Looks to follow out with a plancha, but Big Daddy Cool avoids. As Big Daddy Cool landed on his feet uh, when he was... Clothesline to the right, to the floor. Big guy, standing tall. Hart climbs onto the apron, only for Diesel to shove him off, sending Brett through the Spanish announce table. Habla me Jesus! And this is the first broken table spot in WWF pay-per-view history. Oh, I was wow. So. I mean, hey. It's... Good point. We've seen plenty in WCW. We've seen uh, too many in ECW. You know what else this is? This is Bret Hart's 41st pay-per-view. Wow. I remember really? that specifically. Yeah, they had yeah. said that at one point. Big Daddy Cool limps his way out to the floor to roll the hitman back into the ring, where he sets up for the jackknife powerbomb, only to hesitate because Hart collapses to the mat. Diesel leans over to pick Brett up off the mat, only for the hitman to grab Big Daddy Cool into a small package Uh-oh. for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And new. He was playing uh, a little possum. A little there. possum there for sure. And you can, I love. You should, after he gets pinned, the camera's on. Motherfucker! Yeah, on Diesel. <laughs> he says, "Motherfucker!" Can't hear it, but it's just so, so, and it looks real earnest. It's maybe the best acting he's done. <laughs> Diesel shoves the ref in anger before delivering multiple power bombs to Hart. Officials run out to stop Big Daddy Cool, but he just punches them as well before grabbing a belt, only to just drop it on Brett's chest, raises his fist, and yells, I'm back! Diesel leaves while the refs check on the hitman. It then cuts to a highlight video of the evening, which includes an entire replay of the final moments before cutting back to our commentators. And they don't know what to make of what just happened being concerned for Brett's health before Vince says his goodbyes as we fade to black. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of what happened, too, because it, yeah, going into the replay of the show and then coming back to them sitting at the announce table, like, what the fuck are we doing here? And you know something I noticed that we just did, that they did not do on the show, we said and new. On the show, they do not do an and yeah. new for Bret Hart. He just wins the belt in a very, almost like anticlimactic 
way. They don't make a real big hubbub about it. Mm-hmm. They don't do and new. He's not particularly standing tall. I just thought it was very weird way. Yeah. Like, I mean, he did it because, like, yeah, the Diesel's much bigger than him. He outsmarted him. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because I guess Diesel immediately pushes the ref and then beats up a couple other refs well, so and then they jump into their flashback. Going into the match, both of them were baby faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To kind of cement that Diesel was going... Heel. Back. More heel-ish. Because <laughs> he... He kind of stays a tweener for a little while. Yeah, he's not, he's, not, he's not going full Sid. Exactly. So that's why they had had him do this, basically. So gentlemen, I ask you, what are your overall thoughts of Survivor Series 1995? Kind of more of a stuffing than a cake. <laughs> Is that how you... I just want to make sure. That's all you got? <laughs> oh, no. I was going to okay. let you go. I don't know. This is my, my uh, Initial thesis. Thoughts. My thesis. Yes. Yeah, it's it's some good stuff. Not so, not too cakey. Like I said, it's very stuff. it's very solid. It's uh, it's uh, savory, not sweet. Yeah. Going into it, trying to rack my, my brain of Like any what kind of was. solid memory at the Yeah, because I haven't watched this specific Survivor Series in forever because... Yeah. It's meat and, curse, pota- meat and potatoes. The curse of 95. They're, at least back in the day, it didn't seem like there were some good shows, but watching them with fresh eyes, it's it's opened my eyes to some stuff that I either didn't appreciate at the time or totally forgot. Yeah, and it's also just like one of those things like, oh, like this wrestling looks different now. Sometimes it's nice to see some solid stuff with some solid guys. I think that they did a good, like, there's some story stuff throughout here, and I think most of the stuff's pretty... There's not a whole lot of eye rolling no. to be had. Yeah, but there, there's typically, oftentimes on these shows, I find myself at the point of, you know, are we still on this match seriously for real? But I didn't really get that on any of these. So. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't seem like any of these Survivor Series matches get quite dragged out in any like okay guys yeah. way. Like, you know, some of them almost seemed to like too quick, even though that's obviously not true. I say, you know. like, the eye roll things, yeah, the Bill Clinton stuff. Oh, yeah. Just a little, I like that stuff uh, just whatever. for the, like, for the for the context of the time. I find all that kind of stuff yeah. interesting. Even if I don't think it's successful, I think that it just adds to the overall, like, enjoyment and placing it into a point in yeah. time. Yeah. I'm going to go with this is my favorite Survivor Series we've ever covered. Okay. you. And also probably the best WWF show of 1995. 95 has been a bad yeah. year in, in I WWF. I mean, yeah. It has yeah. been great. And like, like, LT and Bam Bam yeah. headlining Mania. That's, yeah, not, All right. not my favorite. Can't what say it? that it is. I forgot that he even headlined it until Matt said it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that did happen. That was 95. It seems so long ago. It seems like 30 ECW shows ago. But basically, this main event reminds me what a difference a quality main event mm-hmm. can do to your overall opinion of a show. Yep. Absolutely, because it's over, and you're like, well... Because, I like, mean, we've literally had, since WrestleMania, Diesel has been headlining all these pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. And so we leave every show basically with a bad taste in our mouth. Or it's like... <sighs> so even if the rest of the show is decent, 
Everybody, it's going yeah, to the main event is diesel. We we may be right. We may be like we may be thumbs looking the at the bar. Yeah, thumbs in the middle. But we get that diesel match, and all of a sudden it goes, it trickles down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And here it's like, well, everybody got their spot. Everybody got to get their shit in for the most part. Everybody. Some people got some uh, nice pops. There was things people were invested in. When the crowd's invested, it helps you get invested. And, you know, one, two, three kid and Razor stuff, great. Like, all of these matches seem to... Well, that's what I really like Just be more set up stuff, but you still got to see everybody pop off and do something big. I like the fact that in your Survivor Series matches... Yeah, you had the bulk of your stars of the entire federation in the wild card match. You had, you know, Brett and Diesel obviously as the main event. Goldust got to get a big pin. Uh, yep. Taker got to uh, make everybody look like a weenie. And then your teams, it was all of your undercard, midcard, and you know they couldn't rely on the headliners to bulk up or build up those matches so they had to be the workhorses themselves and you know have those moments for Mm -hmm. themselves which is what you want because you need to create those moments and memories and future stars and that's what they did on this and they did the smart thing like sean doesn't need the pin ahmed johnson got to slam yoko right after right and then uh, sean hit sweet chin music sean doesn't need the pin ahmed johnson splashes gets the pin Ahmed Johnson can have a singles match against like a lower mid Carter and and beat him and just continue to. He did a pretty damn good splash on him too. He did. It was a great looking splash. Ahmed Johnson's stuff all looks really good because he's obviously super athletic. I don't know if he's gonna be able to call it in the ring anytime soon, but if you tell him in there to tell him to go in there and clothesline some guys, it's probably gonna look good. Good. Where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? Uh, Shawn Michaels just being excited to be back. He looks like he's having fun. The shoulder shrugs. The shoulder shrugs. He's yeah. just like looking at the camera. He's like, hey guys, look how awesome and hot I am. <laughs> like, and how, look how much you love me. One, two, three kid in the first match. He yeah. was hot. Well, him yeah. and I mean, Marty too. Marty did some some good shit in yeah. the, the opening. And one, two, three kid going heel is so good. Because he's such a such a like underdog baby face, and for him to just get like frustrated and start, because we've seen him win clean in like underdog and matches, and now he's just like frustrated. And he's like, "Well, what if I could just do it easier? Or you get more, paid more if you win." So million dollar man, that's why million dollar man's there. Yep, it's good. Uh, yeah, some good solid character work and building on this show. Brett versus. Diesel. I always like the two of them when they they fought because uh, I mean, Brett's, I watched... always, Brett's always going to be Diesel's best opponent. Just yeah, and there was a match yeah. recently that we like, watched. He just makes it work. Yeah, he, yeah. Diesel always gives something to Brett that you don't get or that Brett doesn't get from anybody else that he fights because they take it to that next level of reality where it looks like they're just in there trying to beat the shit out of each other instead of trying to come up with the next move. It's like, yeah, what can this guy do? Well, he can. Do a convincing brawl. Yeah. So we're gonna have a convincing brawl. That's and why I'm going. I'm smaller by f- at least fifty pounds. So I'm going to tie his bite him. To the I'm gonna tie him up. And the tying <laughs> up spot was fun. 
And it's fun to see yeah. Brett do it. Of and all it people. makes it to where, you know, when Diesel loses and his expression at the end immediately after of the motherfucker, you know, yeah. he plays it off like he's severely pissed off. And yeah, it just, it works from start to finish. Royals character work for yeah. when the Undertaker comes in, just like everyone just being like freaked out. Yeah, it's cartoony, but like this is the land of living cartoons and it's done pretty tastefully considering. Yeah. I mean, just the Undertaker himself in that match because it took him to that next level of superstardom, at least in my opinion back then. Yeah, because he, he starts his slow rise to the back to the top. Yeah, yeah right I mean, here. they brought him in. He, he was immediately over. They gave him a quick stint with the belt and kept him around because he doesn't necessarily need the belt, but you always have him in the back pocket, and you can always put the belt on him, and no one's mad about it. It's like that mask came off and it was lost in the you know, Jurassic era until old Luchasaurus picked it up one day. And, <laughs> Painted yeah. it green? Exactly. How about most disappointing? Sad to see Bam Bam go, but I didn't learn that at the time. But I thought it was, I was like, oh, who's going to get the pin? I assume Goldust is going to get the pin. Why would they pin Goldust now? But it's also Bam Bam Bigelow. But Bam Bam Bigelow has always kind of been like just upper mid-card guy wherever... He goes, even though he's capable of more. Yep. Especially a couple years ago when he was younger and he was doing car wheels and shit. That this was the send-off for Alundra Blaze. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Because that match was really good. It's really fun. I literally almost wanted to suggest it for the short list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those ones where it's just on the... Edge. Yeah, like it is. There's if it had just a little bit more. Like if some of the like Aja and Alundra Blaze and whoever did the Sky Twister press, like that was a really cool move. Like whoever that was, I forget. Maybe but like if, God, if sure. one of the because uh, there's like like three of the girls that literally come in do like one thing and, and then get gone. pinned. Yeah. yeah, if one of them got to do a little bit more of a showcase. Yes, yeah. if they'd showcased them just a tad bit more yeah like another two it minutes would have, it would have yeah. probably pushed it to the short list for yeah. me nice. another two minutes and a and a moonsault from a japanese lady and it could have been like mm. yeah it's just yeah. Uh, disappointing that you bring her over you build up a, an entire division around her and then this is the the last two raw that she got before they were done with the women's division or yeah when the women's division comes back it uh, looks uh different a little bit. A lot bustier. Yeah, there's a Chinese invasion and um, a whole lot of uh, TNA. So, and, not, and, and they don't mean an impact. No, no, no. There is a TNA impact, but in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Are there any other disappointments for me? I mean, I already said the, like, the political show. stuff was the, just the, like, the Davy The Davy Boy coming in and breaking up the pin was kind of just like... Like it was one of the like more like, like I get your scratchy. I get your heel and your two face teammates are winning this, but it was just like what are you what are you doing? Just stand on the yeah. just stand on the apron Turn and around just take and yell it at the in. crowd. Yeah, it's like okay, cool. Yeah, he could have even just like walked to the back, and they could have done the camera of him just like being like fuck this and walking back, and exactly. it might be a little bit better where he's like fuck it. How about best performer of the night? I mean, it's hard not to give it to Brett because... It's kind of what I was thinking, yeah, too. Yeah, it's like, I think everybody... I don't think anybody had a bad night. I mean, I literally mm-hmm. just... I just stated 
Diesel has had these horrible ass main events, and then all of a sudden we have one with Brett, and it's a good match. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's possibly the best Diesel match. It is. I mean, I enjoyed the last Brett Diesel match more than you guys did, but this is obviously uh, much better. And also, it does more with the time that it's given, whereas the other one just kind of dragged a bit. And this one doesn't really drag because there's some interesting and fun spots. The table spot, the cable spot, the early chairs, yeah. like the, the both the buckles getting pulled off. There's, it was super smart to do a DQ because the guys have seen each other, but it was also super smart because you have somebody like Brett who's like, well, what are some things we can do to keep this interesting while I work from underneath? Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody different, Shane, or are you going with Brett as well? I'm going with Brett on this okay. one. I mean, yeah, Brett, and then like uh, everyone else was good, but Sean just had, Sean was very happy to be back and just soaking in the love with a shit-eating grin, which was uh, fun to see. How about most surprising that mm. the gold dust matches have been this boring so far? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a bummer. He hasn't had any like opponents that where it's like, oh. I mean, I th- I think it's more he's still trying to figure out how to wrestle his gold dust. Yeah, yeah, because it's I mean, not the... quite as flashy as Dustin, but he doesn't quite. But he's it's not as he's doing like. 60% Dustin, and then the other 20% is like a question mark. Yeah. So I mean, it's just not there yet, like yeah. you said. In the bulk but he's of trying not to do complete Dustin. The bulk of interviews that you hear from Dustin from that time frame was, you know, he was trying to figure out the character still because it mm. just didn't know what to do with it other than paint my face gold and do movie this funky. The argument, I, I always loved his interviews. I mean, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, he's, it is funny because, like, Dustin Rhodes has never been a great promo before this. He's just, oh, yeah. I'm, look at me Once and watch gets, me in the ring. I'm good. Like, I'm all-American might boy. Be natural. He's a natural mm-hmm. for natural. sure. And, but here, like him doing the, it's like that coming from that guy just seems so weird in yes. hindsight. Yes. Uh, but it is. But it's what you remember. Yeah. About. It's so, but it's so good. It's weird. It's very weird. Yeah. Once he gets in there with, like he's got some matches with Savio, and then yeah. his his pairing up with Razor is it's, what really takes him to that so, next level. So hard to believe that. And you get uh, Marlena. That people could say that the polka dots and the gold dust weren't a rib, <laughs> because it's just like, you know, Dusty whatever. Dusty could fucking wear inside out pair of fucking like bvds and like get it over so you can do anything you want with that guy but uh dustin getting over gold dust is pretty impressive dusty can say the word nasty dream on tv (laughs) (laughs) surprising for me i didn't realize that perfect was going to be there yeah, I was and surprised he wasn't the greatest commentator. That was yeah, that was, was like, my oh, thing yeah. is I didn't enjoy him on commentary as much as I thought I would. He wasn't the greatest because he was perfect, the most perfect. <laughs> he just didn't have a, he didn't really add a whole lot, but it's nice to have. Actually, him surprising for me was in, speaking of perfect, their him and Jim Ross's picks for the main event. I would totally would have thought it would have been the opposite way around because perfect was being the heel commentator yeah and i know that they were both baby faces but you would still think that yeah, that's how they get you but yeah. diesel is always usually in my head diesel's still a heel 
basically because he. He, he works. Be- like, he works better as a heel. He looks like a heel. He wears uh, all black, and he's seven feet tall or whatever. Yeah. And but uh, him picking Bret Hart also makes sense because you know if he's Mister Perfect. When, actually, when you said that earlier, yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, well, that he's makes perfect he's, sense. Yeah, he's going to respect uh, the the he's going to respect the excellence of execution because uh, he's Mister Perfect. Exactly. So it's like you know he's the, been yeah executed excellently before. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see uh, Mister Perfect be, hold that belt and have a classic, you know, NWA style match with Bret Hart for that thing, but that's yeah. not going to happen unfortunately. No. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Johnny Hotbody had been the Eastern Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion for over 2 months when the former champion Jimmy Snuka would meet him on July 14th. 1992. Hot Body would stall as much as possible to start, but once in the ring, the two men would trade strikes and holds when Snooka would fly into the ring with a sunset flip, only for Johnny to drop down with leverage. But the ref would see it, kicking the arms away, allowing Jimmy to roll him over for a near fall. Snooka would take control with headbutts and chops, delivering multiple backbreakers before coming off the top rope with a superfly splash for the pin and become a two-time ECW heavyweight champion. Jimmy would continue to defend the title when a man he had rivalries with in many different places would come to ECW to make a challenge. Next week, World War III, 1995. That's any sure, hint. That sure. means there's more than one of these. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Here first inaugural World War Three. Shouldn't next year be World War Four then? <laughs> you would think, right? <laughs> World War Three two. Uh huh. World yeah. World War uh, One squared. <laughs> so yeah, three rings, sixty men, three giants, one title on the line. Probably about forty minutes, if not longer. Yay! Three screens. <laughs> uh, you will get there. We'll see you next week. Yeah. So you're saying I need to bring alcohol? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, 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 might, we might need it. Yeah. We might need it. Gotcha. Music from this week's show is the Survivor Series opening, and Bret Hart won our main event, so we play Heart, Heart Attack by Jim Johnston. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Keep it perfect. Five stars or no stars. Don't be a jerk. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Recipes, drink ideas, something. Yeah, wrestling themed drinks. Where are we going next week? Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk. Fire country. I don't know. I don't know much about care. the Carolinas. What are they or Virginia. Going? Never mind. Around where they like, had the Civil War or something like that. Probably. I'm sure they did something. <laughs> yeah, they did that all over the place. But yeah. But if you have any of those, email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Later.